all you surreal sunflowers, welcome to another episode of A Little Greener, a podcast all about nature, sustainability, and conservation. Ooh, I had to think about it again. Oh no. <laughs> Hi, this is Casey. I'm one of your hosts and I'm joined by the wonderful effervescent Sarah. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Thanks. Uh, I'm... <laughs> Why, like I told you a minute ago, I'm overtired. Yeah. (laughs) My dog has been having some issues the past couple of nights. So I've been awake a lot more than I would have liked to be. So apologies for any lack of words slash punchiness that we have this evening. Because Casey, I know you had a busy weekend too. I had a busy weekend. One of my bachelorette party. It was excellent. Thanks all of those fantastic ladies. We had lots of nature time. We saw a deer that we named Clarice and a groundhog that we named Gary. And there was lots of hawks up there and I got to see stars because it was super dark. We went out on a lake. So all fun things. This morning I walked into a shed and I got five (laughs) stitches in my face. So that's how today's going. Yay! I told my friends that um, they can't leave me unsupervised because this is what happens. So yeah, maybe we are punchy today. Maybe we're, we're going to learn some things. We're going to do some fun things, but Sarah, I was going to ask you uh, if you did your homework. Did you, last week we talked about octopus and you had actually bought the soul of an octopus. Oh no, you're making a face. I know. Cause we, had, I feel like we had done well at least yeah. last week, but I feel like for a couple of weeks, maybe we've done well with our challenges and I did not do well with my challenges this week. So you had a couple, one was just to learn more about octopus, which I mean, I did over the course of of our chat over the episode and you know you gave me things to think about so that was good but I have read not a single word more of the soul of an octopus which is very sad for many reasons I obviously enjoy reading and to, to not have been able to sit down and enjoy a book over the course of a week is a very sad thing for me but especially because it was gonna be part of the challenge. Uh, and I did not do it. And then you also talked about seafood watch mm-hmm. and visiting seafood watch, which I did not do. I didn't buy any seafood. So I think that, you know, that's going to be my thing for myself before I purchase any seafood for the next time is to go look at seafood watch again and make sure that whatever I'm buying is a sustainable choice. So I didn't do that one. I did talk to my mom about a book that she read about, but it's is it about a novel. octopus? It's a okay. novel. Yeah, yeah. I was just chatting with my mom about books I wanted to share with you guys. Um, no, so but the funny thing is, uh, it's I think it's called Remarkably Bright Creatures, okay. and I'd had a couple of people recommend it with, I had no idea what it was about. Like literally all I knew was the title of this book. I didn't know what it was about. I was, I looked for that book when I was on Sanibel Island, okay. didn't find it. Obviously wound up finding Sullivan and bought it. My mom also just read the remarkably, remarkably bright creatures. I really hope that's the correct name. And it Good is a, a novel, but it ha- it's about an octopus. <laughs> and we had no idea that that's what it was. So she Serendipitous. read it and she liked it. And she did say, I mean, it's obviously anthropomorphized and, and all of that. It's not a scientific thing, but she did say that it was really fun to some of the things that we talked about in relation to the octopus are are present in the book. So she enjoyed that. That's not really doing my challenge, but I just thought it was fun. So your mom did the challenge of the week. She learned more about the octopus. 
Well, um, you know, the last couple of episodes, we've kind of talked about a little bit of squeamishness for anthropomorphism. We did a whole episode on it. So if you want to check that out, um, we talk about Penguin Town, which is on Netflix and was delightful, but also how we feel about it. I don't think there's anything like, um, like I love a, a good anthropomorphic tale. I like to indulge in that. Sure. I do too. I think my problem comes from, I always end up thinking about what will somebody who is not yeah could this steer people in a wrong direction in terms of the way they think and interact maybe is what I worry about sometimes if that makes sense oh totally well I guess if you're looking for a fictional version of an octopus story there's another option for Sarah's mom I've heard I've heard from multiple people that it's a good book if you're looking for something to read all right. So my question for you tonight, Casey, so if, if let's, we'll say we're jumping in finally to the next kind of step of our energy series. We did energy 101, I think back in April and talked about how we were going to kind of go through different ways that we generate energy over the course of the year. And here it is mid to late June. <laughs> <laughs> we're finally doing the next one time flies. So I think this is the one we're going to start with solar energy that they think this is the one that won our little Instagram. Yes, this is the people asked and we answered two and a half months later. (laughs) Eventually. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we're going to be talking about solar energy, kind of a solar energy 101 this evening. So Casey, this is a very specific, weird question, not really a discussion question, but this is a very, a, a specific thing that I remember from when I was younger. Did you ever have one of those solar powered calculators? Do you remember using those? Um, I think yes. Like I, I, that is, you have unlocked a dormant memory in my brain. Um, and now I'm Googling just to make sure I'm not lying to you, but yeah. Okay. Yes. It had like the little bar with like four lines. Yep. And it has a tiny solar panel inside, which is wild. Isn't it? Yeah, we we use these in school. Everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. Yep, they were, I mean, we probably had like five of them in our kitchen drawer at home. And I remember specific, like we used to like put our fingers over the bar to block the light and watch the numbers disappear and then take our fingers back off and see the... Uh, I see the numbers come back up. So I, j- reading about solar energy unlocked that memory for me too, because it was just crazy to me that I was like that long ago when I was a kid in elementary school, we had this technology that we were carrying around with us and everybody yeah. used it. And it was just an acceptable known thing. I looked it up and the first solar calculators were actually produced in the seventies Oh dang! And it's really, the same technology. Obviously, we're more efficient now, and we've scaled it up. But it's the same mechanism, uh, basically, if you will, for how we are, generate our solar energy. So I just thought that was fascinating. I also came across an article from National Geographic that I'll I'll link in the notes, and it's. It's not really about what we're going to talk about tonight, but there was one quote in it that I liked. I think there might be a typo in it. It says, the the quote as written says, uh, people adopt their gadgets, but they accept their energy. I'm thinking that might be adapt. 
is yeah. what they're trying to say because that's kind of what they were talking about in the article is how we are so willing to use new ways of doing things in our technology. Like we all have our smartwatches and all of those types of things. And we're willing to, to utilize all of these things in, in, and excited about it in our technology. So I think that that is an interesting idea. People adapt their gadgets, but they accept their energy. So we're all fine with these, you know, little solar powered calculators that we can carry around. Maybe we can use, you know, solar to power other things with our gadgets, but this idea of moving over to solar energy seems like some kind of revolutionary thing. Like we're, we're kind of set in our ways, it feels like. And like, this is, we don't need solar, we have our energy. Like I have power when I turn on my switch, what do we need solar for? I think is it's kind of what that put me in mind of. And that's kind of why we wanted to do this whole energy series anyway, or at least part of it is to sort of look at what are the hurdles, what are the obstacles, but why should we look at getting our energy in this particular way? So that's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight. We'll just do a quick overview of how solar energy works and what may be some of the environmental impacts, both we'll say positive and negative uh, might be. So stick around for a discussion on solar energy. All right, here we go. We're doing it. We're diving energy in. series part one or two, I guess, depending on how you want to look at it. We're going to start with solar energy. Like we said, this was the people's choice. Also kind of fun for me since I live here in the Sunshine State. Hear a lot about solar. I know I've got a few neighbors on my block that have solar panels on their roofs. So uh, there's a lot, Casey, to talk about this. I know last week when we talked about doing this episode, you mentioned what a wealth of information there is on the government website on energy.gov. Mm -hmm. Oh my yeah. goodness. Like there is so much stuff there. It was almost overwhelming to me. So this, just consider this a general overview of solar. I feel like with all of these things we talk about, so we start off with just an, an energy overview. Now we'll do a solar energy overview. Literally, you could have a podcast on the manufacturing of solar panels, the land use, the end of life. Like you could have a full episode on the different types of solar energy. It's crazy. So there's in, in no way can I cover it all uh, this evening, but hopefully this will give you a good overview. And I did use energy.gov as well as nrel.gov. That is the National Renewable Energy Laboratory. And so those were both huge resources. And of course, we'll link those in our episode notes as well. All right. So how do we use solar energy? There are actually different types of solar energy, which uh, was on, if I'm being honest, was not something I was really thinking about when I started researching this. Uh, but of course we have passive solar heating. We've talked about that before, situating a room or a house so that it is facing the right direction that just 
the heat from the sun is is going to warm me up. So there you go. Easy. Right. On the other hand of the spectrum, it's like, oh, if you plant a tree, it'll shade your house and reduce your yeah. cooling costs. You know, that's sort of the opposite end of that spectrum. So it very much, this is, I feel like is like OG, how people heated their exactly. houses. Yep. It's just making sure that there were they would heat up and keep as much of that energy in as possible. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit on our energy timeline back in our, our energy 101 episode. I can't remember how far back it was that there was like evidence for that, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right where it all began. Um, there's also solar water heaters. And I should have thought about this because I've actually worked somewhere that uses this, but, uh, but it does also use solar panels, but this is a a different technology than what we're going to spend most of the time talking about tonight. So as solar water heating would imply, those panels are generating heat. Whereas what we're going to be talking about really tonight is how we use solar to generate electricity. So we are going to be talking about uh, this technology. It's called photovoltaics. So this is the process of converting light that is photons is the light energy to electricity voltage. That's how we get full photovoltaics. Uh, so that's what we're going to focus on for the rest of our Gotcha. No, no. Uh, don't <laughs> mess up my brain tonight. Sorry. <laughs> I can't. That's photovolcanoes for the rest of the night. Photovolcanoes. That's, it's going to be, I'm, I'm sensing a, an image for this week's episode. <laughs> All right, so how do we do this? How do we generate electricity from the sun? Okay, so one of the first things that I found on energy.gov was the statement that the sun produces enough energy in an hour and a half to handle the energy needs of the entire planet for an entire year. So we got lots of excess energy bouncing around. There's a lot of energy, yeah, coming from the sun. And I guess I shouldn't have been impressed by that. I mean... Sun's pretty impressive, but that just like the entire planet for a year in an hour and a half, that alone for me was like, if, if I didn't think that solar energy was something that we should be considering, that statement alone was enough for me to be like, yeah, we need to use this. Like, why wouldn't we, <laughs> if we have this huge right. source available? And I remember a couple of years ago, there was like a headline of a town who had voted not to do solar energy because they were afraid it was going to suck up too much of the sun like yeah that was the thing both like is that not uh that's not how solar energy works but even if it did <laughs> we've got so much extra <laughs> sunlight to go around we're okay we're going to be all you're, right. You're okay either way uh no that's not how it works but uh wow i i it was a headline, remembered. so I, I yeah. can't give you any details, but I yeah. remember being like, oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot to do as science communicators. Yeah. I, so yes, I, I just think, I think it's incredible that there's that much available. So yeah, basically the challenge for us then is to figure out how to harness it, which as we talked about with our solar calculators. We figured out how to do that a long time ago. Actually, even those calculators were in, available in the 70s. This photovoltaic mechanism was, I think, developed back in the 50s. 
even. So calculators weren't like the num- ultimate goal. <laughs> that wasn't the pinnacle of like, this is all we wanted the sun for was powering our calculators. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. But the, the thing about it though, I think that the, the reason I bring that up at all is to just realize that we, we've had time yeah to to work on this so this isn't like you know a a brand new thing so and even in the last couple of decades you know we've been continuing to work on this technology and improve the efficiency of solar panels um, and all of that so um and by the way i meant to to say a minute ago when i was like oh why shouldn't we use solar i didn't mean that as flippantly as it sounds like because that's we're going to talk about like that's again one of the reasons that we wanted to do this series is to talk uh, solar energy is not perfect (laughs) there are reasons that we might not want to use it and we are going to talk about those uh so that was that comment was not meant to be taken that way uh just i would also to counter also what you just said to flesh it out a little bit more there are scenarios under which we might not want to use it and there are uh and in the grand scheme of things it doesn't cover every single one of our needs but I'm going to guess that at the end of this, we're going to say that it is better than a lot of other energies for certain scenarios. Sure. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay. Um, All right. Maybe I'm not to put words in your mouth. No, I, I, and I personally am going to try to avoid compare and contrast too, too much. Although ultimately I think it is important to keep in mind the reason that we're talking about this is because we know the way that we're getting our energy for the most part today has shortcomings that need to be fixed, especially in terms of emissions and that sort of thing. So we will talk about that. I do think there are some specific shortcomings of solar energy too, that I think it is unfair to to not talk about, but I I think they're addressable as well. So yes, we will get to all of that too. So uh, Casey, I guess, speaking of all of this, have you ever looked into doing so? I know you, you guys just bought your house. So have, but have you ever, have your family ever considered going solar at all? Is this the thing that you've looked into before? My mom had one of those appointments last year with people and they told her that she didn't use enough energy to qualify. Okay. So I don't know if that was a particular company or cause she's like, I want to look into it again. My dad has a dream of putting it on the family business. Cool. Energy overall is not a huge part of our costs because we're like also a lot outdoors, but like as a green investment. And then as we transition, hopefully to having electric vehicles, being able to produce that energy in-house there, that is something that has been floated and talked about. It is a dream of mine. Um, we are way too new into home ownership to start looking at that. Cause I probably need a whole new roof first, but, uh, but yes, the short answer is yes, we have looked yeah. into it, but no one I know has them. Yeah. Go ahead. Did you have something to add? I was going to say my friend, uh, who I work with, she and her husband were looking into it. And I think they were in the, like, not just looking into it, but like in the process of getting approval for it, which is probably the farthest I know of anyone. Yeah. That's awesome. I haven't really looked into it seriously. Although I'll tell you what the ads that I'm getting now after researching this. Oh yeah. No, YouTube really wants, it knows that I'm a homeowner, homeowner in Pennsylvania. (laughs) And it's been like, have you thought about it? Yeah. So there's a lot out there. This, that is another whole other topic that I feel like that could be looked into is, is 
there's so many different types of things out there. Again, energy.gov does have resources if you're a homeowner and, and, and looking to, to, to go into this. I've not seriously looked at it. As you know, the, the upfront costs are still high. That yeah. could be one potential drawback for somebody who's looking to put solar panels on their home. They've gone down. Um, I This was not an immediately current article. I think it was from maybe like five years ago or so. But at that point, they had said that the cost for solar energy has dropped every single year since 2009. So that's a good thing and you know likely will continue to drop as more people take it up and um you know i think that's true of most technologies that it, it works that way um so that's that's just something to know another interesting thing that i didn't realize was a thing you'll hear kind of a, a potential drawback to solar sometimes is obviously it's not sunny all the time apparently for residential solar now you actually can get batteries in yes. your system that that was not a thing that I didn't that I had heard of before so you may or may not realize but electric electricity can't just sit so you know that's the whole thing with with the power grid and having to match the electricity that's provided with what is needed um so typically when those who are using solar panels on their roof at night or when it's not sunny they are getting power still from the grid. But if you're so inclined, you can also get batteries for your system to store energy to use later. I didn't find a whole lot at this point. Obviously, there's going to be an additional environmental impact for those batteries and the production of those batteries. I haven't, didn't find too much about that yet, but I just thought it was interesting um, as that's you know something that's brought up as a negative sometimes. Just talking a little bit more about residential solar power, another kind of cool thing about it is a lot of times if depending on where you live and your utility company and all of that, you can do something called net metering. And this is where any energy that you're getting from your solar panels that you're not utilizing goes back to the grid and you get credited for that. I don't know. I mean, like, I'm sure the reason is money, but I don't really understand why this isn't like the thing everywhere. Like if you're excess producing energy off of this passive, like it's sitting on your roof and you're not home all day. So you're going to have extra energy mm -hmm. at some points, like selling it back to the grid just seems like such a a good solution. I just want it to be the solution. And I'm sure there's lots of reasons why it's not, but gosh, our roofs are such a waste of space if they're not creating energy. Right. I, I think that part of it might just be that the grid needs to be updated. Okay. I maybe, I wish that I understood the grid better. <laughs> like as we're talking about it, it just yes. feels like this almost mystical thing. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about um, the energy grid in our energy 101 episode too, in terms of the, the sections here that we have in, in the United States. But I think that might be part of it is just needing to update the grid so that that is possible. Maybe on a larger scale, yeah. maybe Some, sometimes you'll hear like politicians talk about, oh, we need to upgrade the, and have a smart grid, which sounds fake to me when you say yeah. it just like, as if that is contains a complete thought that everyone should understand. Yeah. 
Um, but I think what they're meaning is basically there's lots of things that we pass it, like our refrigerator runs all day that mm -hmm. has to run all day, but our hot water heater might not need to run all day. And so yeah. if you can kind of have them respond and how much yeah. energy they're uptaking versus like having these constant demands on the supply, that's how it would kind of balance itself out. But, yeah. but I don't know if this yeah. net gridding, net metering plays into that too. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I, this is again, one of those things that I wish I had time to, to dive into more deeply, but just know point being for residential solar, that that is a thing to look into. That might yeah. be an option. Again, I don't think it is everywhere. I looked at my utility company and that is something that they do. Um, they talk about it on the website. So you might be able to find more about that if you were interested in residential solar. So that's kind of residential solar in a nutshell that's how it works we have these solar panels you put them on your roof they're hooked up to a converter that provides you energy you may or may not be able to sell that energy back to the grid you can choose to use a battery system if you want it's going to be a little more expensive probably going to be a higher environmental impact you don't have to use it with a battery if you don't want to you'll get backup energy from the grid you've probably at some point seen those solar panels on a neighbor's roof the other way that we use this photovoltaic solar energy is through solar farms, or sometimes they're called solar plants. Casey, have you ever seen a solar farm? Yes. I think there's one next to the Indianapolis airport. So when you drive around that, That's right. I was like, is that right, Sarah? You don't go to the airport very often. I so do I not. Don't, uh, you avoid that. But I'm pretty sure there's like a fairly large solar farm near the Indianapolis airport. And yeah. if it's not near the Indianapolis airport, it's the Philadelphia airport. It's one of them. I think <laughs> there is one. I, I feel like that's ringing a bell. I don't remember seeing it, but I, I feel like I remember reading about it or hearing about it. I, there are a couple around here. I know near me that I drive by occasionally. I would love to actually like get to go and see Toward the them. solar farm yeah I think that would be so cool just to again it, it all just feels sort of very nebulous in my brain how sure. it all works I feel like I need to go back to like high school chemistry and learn about electricity again period uh, to appreciate all of this stuff but I would like to to see that but I do get to drive by a couple and basically the way that these work is these are typically ground mounted panels. So you can see these large solar panels just uh, on the ground and they are providing power to the grid. So if you'll remember back in our energy 101 episode, we talked about, according to the stats that we were looking at, renewable energy makes up about 12% of our energy in the United States and about 11-ish percent of that is solar. So some of the energy that you use on a daily basis is solar energy already, um, even though you don't have solar panels coming from your roof, uh, just because of these solar farms and plants. I and mean, you can look up your uh, we looked up those e-grid regions on that episode mm -hmm. as well. So you can look up your actual e-grid region and see maybe a little bit better approximation of how much of your energy use is coming from solar. So there are a couple of options here too, where you might be able to take more advantage of solar, even if you are not uh, prepared or able to put solar panels on your roof. 
Um, and there is this idea of community solar, which is another thing that I would have liked to dive into a little bit deeper. Um, but this is where groups can kind of, um, or individuals can, it, it is basically what it sounds like, a community where you are, you can purchase or lease an array of solar panels from a local solar farm, basically. My utility company also does this, and I gather this is not exactly the same thing as community solar, but it's a similar concept in that I could choose an amount of energy that I want to come from solar, and I can pay my utility company for that, like that share to be generated from one of their solar farms. So this is different than an offsetting thing, like the energy actually is coming from solar. And then I would also get a credit for that as well. It's a little bit confusing to me, but it is a way if you're interested that you can kind of buy into solar without having to do all of the upfront costs. So you can also look at your utility company to see if they might offer something like that. So basically your options are one, get solar panels on top of your mm -hmm. house Two, your, com your energy company already invests in this sort of energy already, or three, you can opt into programs Correct. that either purchase in this power of the grid, or I remember in Indiana, there were some offsetting programs. So, mm -hmm. so that was like a green power option. And I know in Pennsylvania, they have those too. That's it. That's the summary of how you can use solar energy. So that's kind of what is out there. Or right your calculator. Now. Or your calculator. That's right. Bust out. That's, you know, if you have one, it probably still works. Let's cool. just say that. So cool. Find it, bust it out. Okay. So let's talk about what the impacts are of this. So again, we know that we're, we're thinking about solar energy because a, the energy that we're using right now, we know has some big negative environmental impacts, in particular, those greenhouse gas emissions, air pollution, also other things as well that we will talk about when we get to those episodes. So we know that we've got problems we need to address with our energy. And we know that we have this big, beautiful sun that is providing us with a ton of energy, would that we only use it. So you'll hear solar energy called clean energy and you'll hear people talk about how it doesn't produce any emissions and that's why we should use it. I, I want to say, you know, to be totally fair, that's not 100% true. You will hear the counter argument that, oh, solar isn't really clean because it does produce emissions. And I would say that that's kind of not really true either. It does produce emissions. It is cleaner. So it's, fewer emissions, certainly fewer emissions in energy production. So using solar energy is going to reduce the, reduce the amount of carbon dioxide, nitrous oxides, sulfur oxides, and that particulate matter that we talked about all of that in our air pollution episode. All of those things are going to be reduced through solar energy. Obviously, the actual production of electricity from solar energy does not produce any emissions. The things that produce emissions in regard to solar energy are going to be more at the, the upfront 
the production. production of these solar panels yeah. a little bit you'll see a, a little bit during the the actual energy production that's just i think in terms of maintaining the solar farms and that sort of thing uh, where that would come into and then a little bit at the end of life as well so yes there are still some emissions associated with solar energy it's cleaner <laughs> than what we're currently using for sure those like we've talked about life cycle analyses before in terms of looking at the complete thing so yes if we're not just we're not we're saying even though the actual production of electricity is clean where are these emissions coming from looking at the total life cycle emissions for solar panels panels we're looking at around 50 grams of carbon dioxide equivalent per kilowatt hour if that number doesn't mean a lot to you that's okay i'm going to give you some other ones in a minute about 60 to 70% of that does come from those what they call upstream processes of the material extraction or the production of those solar panels, or the installation of those solar panels. So basically the manufacturing. Yes. Okay. Yep. That's what we're talking about with, with right. upstream. Yep. Because they also produce energy. So I just want to make sure we're on gotcha. the same page. Yes. Like, that yeah. production, production word is confusing. Yes. yes. I'm sorry. So basically all of the emissions come at the manufacturing installation upfront cost about 60 to 70 percent okay. of them cool yes That's good to know. so then there is like i said a little bit during the actual i don't i think i i didn't write the term down here but when they talk about the actual like production of energy aspect, there is still a little bit of emissions. Again, that's just really from maintenance, I think, of the, yeah. the solar farms in particular. Uh, and then anywhere from about five to 20% of those emissions are coming from the disposal side of things. So, but going back to that 50 grams carbon dioxide equivalent per kilowatt hour, if we look at coal, that's closer to a thousand grams and oil is up over 800. So our 50 there is when we say cleaner, we really mean cleaner. <laughs> like that's we're a talking about difference. Like 95% cleaner than coal per kilowatt of energy that's produced. So I think like that's an interesting, it's an, an definitely an argument that is made. Is there anything that would not produce emissions with like the table I'm sitting at, the right. computer I'm using has emissions during the, the production process. Anything that we do that is manufactured commercially is going to have that, the oil rig, the coal, like the machinery to dig the coal out of the ground all also had associated emissions with manufacturing, yes. correct? Correct. So when, when I think people are making the argument that it's clean, they're talking about when it's actually in operation over the lifespan of it, it's not putting out the same sort of emissions while it's actually operating. It's really the upfront and the back end that are the majority of, and, and when we're talking about it, like, as far as a moment in time is fairly short, mm -hmm. that throughout the time it's operational, it's much, much cleaner, not just like it's right. cleaner. It's like much, much cleaner than yeah. non-renewables. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of, of looking at being able to do these life cycle assessments too, mm -hmm. is to say, yeah, yes. Like, be, because I do, I, I think it goes both ways. I think it can be frustrating sometimes for people to hear like, 
that oh yeah solar solar energy zero emissions it's emission free i think that can be frustrating sometimes for people because they're like well no it's not so like you, you still have to make all of this stuff and where all of the where's all of this stuff going so i think that that can be genuinely i think it can be confusing for people because we're most people are not looking at these numbers like most people are not seeing it they're just saying yeah look we have all like now we've got all of this stuff that we're building that's sitting around so but that's why that's why i wanted to say this is to look at because if if that's what your argument against solar is then you do have to look at the numbers because right while it is fair for you to say yes it's not 100 clean literally like you just said casey nothing nothing that we do ever is going to be clean so if you're going to come after solar for producing the small amount of emissions that it does, then you better go after coal right. and oil. So that's that's my ultimate that's, point here. That's what I yeah. But I feel like I it's a, it's brought up as a red herring within yeah, arguments. Exactly. And I feel like this is like one of those things. One of the things that fossil fuel industry did as renewables became more popular is they started publishing a lot of op eds in local papers, being like, "I don't think this solar thing's so great." And I feel like a lot of people read those and were like, "Huh, like I didn't think about it that way." Absolutely, but I think that a lot of these things are not necessarily. I think these were were sort of talking points planted as a distraction from the actual problem. Yeah, I do just think it is, I think it is helpful to acknowledge yeah, because sure. otherwise then it just feels like it's just become sides yelling at each other sure. about a thing where, where it's actually just, we're, we're, we're saying the same things. We're just looking at it from two different, right? If, if that makes sense. No, so, it does. But, it, but, it means, yeah, basically when you're saying it's clean, you're telling the truth. And when you're saying it has an impact, you're telling the yes. truth. You just are being selective within your scope. Yes. Okay, cool. Right. But ultimately, I think that that is the point. It does produce emissions, but if you're looking at these, the full numbers, um, there, there's, there's no comparison here right. in terms of the clean, the, the cleanliness of solar energy. I don't feel like that's the right way to say that. Um, anyway, another benefit I think that's, that's worth mentioning, throwing out there, it's pretty obvious, but just to mention that solar is a renewable resource. The other things that we're using are not, even though we have a lot, I think let's use the things that, that are renewable is a, is a pretty good point to make as well. Uh, land use is another potential impact. Uh, well, it is another impact of solar energy. Again, this is going to be true of most anything that we do. There is going to be a land use impact, and we're learning more about what that impact is for solar energy. Uh, so this is from that NREL, the National Renewable Energy Laboratory site that I mentioned before. They say a large fixed tilt photovoltaic plant. So one of those solar farms that we talked about that generates one gigawatt hour per year requires on average 2.8 acres for the solar panels. Again, those numbers don't really mean anything nope. to me uh, in my head, but it goes on to say that a solar power plant that provides all of the electricity for a, a thousand homes would require 32 acres of land. Still, does I, you know, an acre is, is not really something that I can fully visualize. It's a lot of space. It is a lot of space, but, uh, and then it goes on to say, if we went to 100% solar energy, I believe this is for the United States specifically, if we went to 100% solar energy here, we would need 0.4 to 0.6% of the land 
in the United States. And the article that I was reading was talking about how like, look, this isn't good or bad. It's just good that we know this now. Yeah. Like, it's just good that we're, we're doing these studies and trying to, to figure it out. The good things here that I think are out there and that people are thinking about and looking at is how do we, if, if we're going to need space for this, how do we make sure that we're choosing the right space, the best space? And by that, I mean that we're not using land that is best used for other things, right? Right? How are we choosing the right type of land? And, and we can use a lot of already developed space. Obviously, solar panels can go on roofs. On roofs, over parking lots. Mm -hmm. All this, like, we're not talking about like less than 1% of habitats. We're talking about like less than 1% of the whole surface area. I feel like land has a connotation. We're talking about like surface area. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's funny. And like, as soon as you said that, I was like, you know, I didn't even like look into, cause that was the whole thing. I remember that being a discussion of, you know, why don't we have all of our uh, parking garages, you know, covered in uh, solar panels. I, I didn't, that was not even a thing that came up as I was reading about it. So I'll have to look into more of that type of thing as well. But a couple of, uh, well, one other thing in particular that did come up that I thought was really interesting was this idea of another fun word for you, agrivoltaic solar. And this is combining solar farms with agricultural farms. I've and seen I this. I think this that's cool. kind of cool. Um, so this is a thing that's out there and there have been several different types of things tried in various stages. So one thing that is happening is sheep grazing at solar farms, which just, I want to tour a solar farm that has sheep grazing at it. Cause how awesome is that? Um, and this is, you know, a win-win situation. So they are making use of this land. The sheep prevent the plants from overgrowing. So you can cut down on that kind of maintenance of having to use gas powered mowers, whatever, um, or chemical weed killers to keep the plants under control. So maybe you're cutting down on some of your emissions there by just letting the sheep do their thing. And then of course, farmers can still get the benefit from the sheep. Uh, I also like the article that this came from. They said the shade of the solar panels provide, or the the solar panels provide shade for naps and other ovine pursuits. (laughs) I don't know what else she put out there, but the phrase made me smile. Um, But also growing food. So there was an experimental farm in Belgium that they said they grew better potatoes uh, in combination with solar farms, it was probably a combination of the cooler air and reduced evaporation underneath the panels. Um, researchers at the University of Oregon Extension found that several different types of crops required less irrigation to produce more fruit. There is a pilot project in Maine testing wild blueberry production on a 10-acre solar plot. Um, and there was, I also found an article from NPR that I can link to in the notes that had a whole host of other Um, types of crops that were being planted in conjunction with solar panels too, with some success. So I think that that's, again, an important thing to keep in mind. Yes, we're going to use land, 
again, other types of energy. We're digging, we're mining, we're doing all of these things that's going to use land as well, not to mention the physical power plants that have to be there. Um, so here's a way that we can really be selective about the land that we are choosing to use for our solar panels. And it's good that people are thinking about these things. Another potential negative impact that you might hear about solar is the potential for toxic chemical leaching. And again, this, this is absolutely, this is absolutely a potential impact that needs to be thought about and worked on. Um, it seems like most solar panels that are in use today do contain some toxic materials, in particular lead seems to be the big one, or cadmium that could potentially leach into the environment if they're not disposed of properly. And it does depend on the manufacturer. So some of them, like the amount, I guess, that is in them, they might be classified as hazardous waste. Others might not be, um, and that can be tough to know. So that to me seems like a thing that could definitely be worked on, um, either to figure out how to get this technology without using those materials, or at the very least, it feels like to standardize it a little more to make that end of life process a little bit less confusing. So you know whether you're yeah. dealing with something that's actually going to be classified um, as ha hazardous waste or not. But that is that is a thing that a lot of solar panels do contain lead. And then finally, we come to the one that was the biggest frustration for me in terms of negative impacts for solar, and that is those end of life options. So I'm going to go back to the beginning here because I think I, I jumped right over what these solar panels actually are. Um, but you, so you've probably seen a big solar panel. That solar panel is going to contain a lot of small, um, what we call uh, photovoltaic cells. Basically, these panels are just absorbing energy from the sun. That energy is, is basically knocking electrons free and uh, the electrons are moving and creating a current that is a way, 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 obviously very simple uh, explanation for how this works. So you have to have basically a, a conductor, then a semiconductor um, that's gonna move that current along. Um, so about 95% of the solar panels in today's market uh, use silicon as a conductor. So the big kind of materials that we have in our solar panels are gonna be that silicon, there's gonna be copper wire, there's gonna be a plastic junction box, there's gonna be glass is actually most of the solar panel and weight is, is by weight is glass and, and then an aluminum frame. So obviously if you think about things like glass and aluminum, and copper and plastic to some degree, uh, those things are recyclable. The problem is, surprise, surprise, it's cheaper to yeah. dispose of it in the landfill than to actually recycle it. So, you know, we don't know a lot about this right now, but best estimate is in, um, actually, I don't know if this is the United States or a global number, but they are estimating that it's only about 10% of solar panels that are being recycled okay. at end of life. So it's a small number and it's, it's alarming to me that the number is that small when our disposal right now is pretty small. 
Yeah. So solar panels, I, I was reading, you can, you can find a little bit of range in the numbers, but we'll say anywhere from 20 to 35 years is the life expectancy for a solar panel, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, now, of course, you, you could have things that get damaged sooner than that from weather or whatever, but typically speaking, 20 to 35 years uh, is the life expectancy. And since we weren't really putting these things out much until the, like the early 2000s, we're really only kind of just coming into the beginning of the end, I guess, you know, for that first big round of production. So <laughs> I think it's only going to get harder as the the number of, uh, of panels that is reaching their end of life gets bigger. I'm going to make an argument yeah? that theoretically it, it could get easier because if the number of the ones that like the percentage of the small amount that we're already doing is only 10% of those getting recycled, there might not be a viable industry with a true, like, you know, a steady enough flow that they could break out the materials. Now I'm not saying necessarily that it's going to become like way easier mm -hmm. than creating them from virgin materials. But we do know that when production ramps up on certain things, sometimes the costs, like the overhead sure. for breaking them down could go lower. And then also something that I know that you're about to touch on as it becomes an actual problem. I think that the government's going to start yes. to regulate what the avenues are for disposing of them. Yeah. So here's, I, it, it all just feels a little bit too much like recycling in general and plastic recycling in particular, you know, where they're like, here's the solution. And now we're yes. like, okay, well, this doesn't work. You know, I don't, I don't want to see that type of situation to develop again. So I sure. think that's what makes me nervous reading about things like this right now is that, um, you know, I'm just like, when, when are we going to figure it out and get ahead of ourselves and know if I'm going to create this as a solution to a problem? Like we have to, we have to have an end of life plan. Like we have to have an end of life plan. And, but what I will say, what gives me hope, and I'm not, I'm not throwing solar energy out the window here is because it can be done and it is being done in other parts of the world. <laughs> Oh, that's good. So, at least, I mean, I can't, I can't say that it's, it's perfect, but right. there are, we've talked about extended producer responsibility laws in previous podcast episodes. And in Europe, the European, European Union requires producers to make sure that their solar panels are properly recycled. This is the producer's responsibility. Excellent. Care of end of life. And I just don't understand why that's just not a thing anywhere. Uh, the, now, again, I, I can't guarantee that all of these are exactly up to date. So some, some of this might have progressed further, um, but they were saying that laws were also in the works in Japan, India, and Australia. Um, but hey, in the US, at the, at the time that this particular article that I'm referencing was written, they said that there was one state law there's one state law in the United States that addresses this. The EPA website actually now lists five states okay. with regulations of some kind. That would be California, Hawaii, New Jersey, North Carolina, and Washington. And again, we'll, we'll link all of this in the show notes. But it is extremely frustrating to me that we don't have 
this in place. I hope it is something if, you know, as solar continues to grow, I really hope that this is a step that we can take because this is the, the, the end of life is just a problem that needs to be solved in my mind. Can I whip out my crystal ball? Okay. So I'm uh, going to predict the future here. And this is my hopeful future. This is like a prediction, but it's also a hope um, that we get more into solar so that we have a sustainable end of life production that is both regulated, but also I think could get easier because one thing that we haven't really talked about, except for the beginning of the episode, is that we have been improving this technology for a long time. And so the m- more that we go into it, especially if we have pretty high standards for what these solar panels need, they're going to be more and more efficient energy producing wise. Like that's what they're constantly trying to do yes. is how do we use the same amount of space to create even more energy yes. and hopefully also increase the longevity. So maybe like, I'm not going to feel bad about buying something in my own home that is going to last 30 or, you know, 25 to 30 years. Now, obviously most of those things are not as big or as energy intensive as a solar panel, but I do think that that's a pretty good lifespan. I agree. I also would hope that we're talking about extended producer lifespans of our extended producer responsibility of solar panels. Currently, to my understanding, fossil fuel companies are not required to do anything of the sort. So we don't you know, we, we can acknowledge that solar panels have an end of life problem. And I agree that it should be the producer's responsibility and, and basically built into the cost of that solar panel to then take care of itself. Once it's reached its finale, um, we're not really doing the same thing with carbon emissions and other emissions and end of life basically the, the, I guess the end of life production of the actual energy, like things like particulate matter and things like that. Um, we don't necessarily have the same level of producer responsibility. You're making a face, maybe the clean air act, or is that where we're going? No, I was just going to say that I pretty much chalked that up as a, that like, and and here's where I would still say that solar, and I I really want to try to not just compare contrast, but where I would say, I still feel better about solar, even knowing it has this end of life problem is because we, I mean, we pretty much, I don't look at emissions and particulate matter and that sort of thing as an end of life problem. Sure. Like, that's just a problem yeah. that is inextricable from the energy production. Like, like that's the deal. Like we, we can't do anything about it. So I do feel like that's the difference with this end of life for solar panels is we can fix this. We just need to do it. Okay. The frustration for me is that we haven't just done that on, on the right. upfront. Like, sure. Um, it, it always just feels like this is this is the afterthought of, oh yeah, let's we have all of these materials now. Let's well, now let's figure out how to to deal with it. Um, My crystal ball says in 2037, there will be an article out with the headline that says you know, our landfills are full of solar panels and this is a huge problem. And then they'll look into it and then they'll be like, but actually compared to other things, it's, you know, but I, I bet you it would come up in the news. I bet you once we start to get into that area where we, we are producing that much, if this continues not to be solved, that it would be in the news. It would be something that, that people would, um, hear about eventually, but I hope we solve it before then. 
Yeah. And I, I'm going to link to an article to you uh, from a website called Grist that I think covers pretty well the end of life issues for solar panels and talks about what other people around the world are doing and what some specific things could that could be done to improve the the recycling and also reuse. Um, that's yeah. a, another option is, you know, after these solar panels are no longer able to be used in these farms or we're on a roof, can they be repurposed and recommissioned maybe for things like um, vehicle charging stations was one yeah. of the things that they talked about. So I think there's some really cool options and opportunities. We just, we just have to do it. <laughs> we just have to address them. So I'll link to all of that. There's going to be a ton of info in the show notes for this one, because um, I really feel like we, we barely just scratched the surface, but, um, but yeah, so just to, to kind of recap there, I think that solar energy is huge potential. I think it's really cool. I'm going to look into it through my utility company again, to see if I can figure out in my brain a little more how that program actually works um, and see if it's something that I might be able to take part in or not. But I, you know, I think the idea here is just to remember that literally no energy system is going to be perfect. Everything that we do is going to have some sort of environmental cost or impact. I'm not going to sit here and say, yes, the solution to all of our problems is to go 100% solar power. I, I don't think that's the solution. In my mind, at least the future is is still going to be a combo of different energy sources. But I think that it's gonna it's solar is going to be a big part of that, I hope anyway. So yes, I'm frustrated by the end of life of, of all of the, the impact type things that we talked about. The, the end of life is the biggest like personal frustration for me. Uh, but I think there are solutions to that. And so I do think that solar is is part of the overall solution. Yeah, I, I would like to also say that no serious person working on their energy issues, as far as I'm aware, has proposed 100% solar as the yeah. solution to anything. Like no one's advocating for this being a um, absolutely perfect and the solution to every problem energy solution. I agree. There's going to be a combination and there already is a combination of renew renewable and resources that we're using. Um, we're just going to have to start phasing out the ones that have the biggest environmental impact and be selective. Like you're talking about doing lots of research about where we put these things. And if you stick around, we'll talk a little bit more about how uh, maybe you can do some continuing research of your own on solar energy. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed our first slash second episode in our energy series, looking specifically at solar energy. Again, pretty broad overview, but I hope something maybe was brought up that at least was a little bit new for you or made you think about something in a different way. That is kind of going to be the challenge for the week too, is just to try to learn a little bit more and maybe challenge a viewpoint that you yourself have held. So your challenge, we always talk about our 15 minutes of outdoor time. Maybe just spend 15 minutes 
looking at one of those resources that I mentioned. So either visiting- looking at the sun, <laughs> <laughs> please do not stare directly into the sun. We're not advocating that. No, no. Uh, look at either nrel.gov or energy.gov. I will put the links to their specifically solar energy pages in our show notes, and we can post them on our social media as well. Um, but but just take a look. If you heard something tonight that you were like, oh, I didn't know that about solar, that was maybe concerning to you. Like if you are, are also concerned about what's happening end of life, or maybe the chemicals that are used in it, look at that. Like, don't just be like, oh my gosh, solar is terrible. Then we can't use it. Actually just spend a few minutes looking at it and seeing what is actually happening and what's being done uh, about it. Um, and just maybe kind of try to, to, to give yourself a little bit of perspective and yeah, just to kind of, kind of challenge, challenge the things that we think we know and look at things from a, a different perspective. Well, I think it's also especially important when we're looking again at that future like, even if you feel like, you know, something about solar, I bet you, you don't know what's going on tomorrow about future or future <laughs> solar. Woo. I, I got hit in the face today, guys. <laughs> um, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of cool developments going on. So they're talking about like putting solar panels on windows, like making clear solar panels to help windows absorb things. There's all sorts of cool technology out there. So if you want to learn more, there's some good resources out there to, uh, so much. Yeah. To see kind of what the future might look like. And then if you see one that you're like, Ooh, you can maybe see how that can get involved in your community. Yeah, for sure. Don't overwhelm yourselves though. I'll put that caveat out there. Like my brain hurt from this episode. I told Casey, like everything that I would read would send me down a wormhole where I was like, well, I don't understand how this works or I, you know, I would need to learn more about that now. So do not overload yourself, but just try to give yourself something new to, to think about with regards to solar energy. Cool. Thanks so much for doing this episode, Sarah, and introducing us to our first energy that we're diving into. We'll have to see what's next. And if it takes two more months for us to get there. (laughs) I was going to do something non-energy related next week, but maybe you've changed my mind and inspired me. So you guys will just have to check us out next week to find out where can the good people find us, Sarah? all over we are on facebook a little greener podcast we are on instagram at a little greener pod we are on twitter at a greener podcast and you can email us at a little greener podcast at gmail.com if you have questions man if what we talked about tonight did not make any sense to you whatsoever boy, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Please uh, send your questions and we'll do our best to try to help you find answers. Um, If you have suggestions, comments, future topic ideas, if you want to tell us what kind of energy source you want us to cover next, reach out to us. We always love to hear from you. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye.